What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Next Level Freedom Church podcast. My name is Trenton Cruz. I'm the lead pastor of Next Level Freedom Church in Jackson, Missouri. If you're seeking a church family that can help you grow in your relationship with Christ, or maybe you just want to check us out online, be sure to check out our website, www.nextlevelfreedomchurch.com. I hope today's episode will inspire you and encourage you as you fulfill the destiny God has for your life and fulfill your divine purpose in God's master plan. Thanks for tuning and God bless. Hello everybody out there online. Thank you so much for tuning in. I am Pastor Brett, the associate pastor here at Next Level Freedom Church. Thank you so much for finding us and uh, checking us out. We greatly appreciate that. And hello to everybody in here this evening. How's everybody doing? Good. All right, let's try that one more time. How's everybody doing tonight? Good. All right, I'll take it, I'll take it, I'll take it. So, <clears throat> we've been talking about exposing the enemy's weapons. Uh, we talked a little bit for the first couple of weeks, we talked about the war that, that we're in and the, the spiritual war that's taking place all around us and how we have to be alert and aware of what is taking place. And how we need to rise to the occasion. We really hammered that in, didn't we? Rising to the occasion for anything that's going on around you. You have to be ready for it, right? And whenever something presents itself, what do we do? We rise to the occasion, amen? And we don't let it discourage us. We don't let it get us down. We don't feel defeated in it, right? I could use a few amens here, guys. I know it's, it's, it's everybody's tired. I get it. I'm right there with you. I've been up since four myself, so... I know what it's like. So we're going to get into this tonight. Hopefully you guys will wake up a little bit. Hopefully I won't put you to sleep because that is, well, it's not my goal, but I'm hoping that <laughs> I'm hoping that no one falls asleep and we can grab a hold of this tonight. We'll see how far we get. But we're going to talk about pride. Now, this is something that pretty much everybody deals with or has dealt with, right? We're all prideful at some point, whether it's before we've accepted Christ as our Savior, and sometimes it happens after we accept Christ as our Savior, we fall into pride. So we're going to start talking about pride because this is really where it all goes back to. Because if you go back to the beginning and you go back to times that we weren't, we weren't at, Satan fell. And Satan fell because of pride. He thought he was better than he really is is what it all boils down to. He wanted to be like God. He wanted everything that God had. He wanted the worship and Satan's beauty and his status and everything that he had that we can find in Scripture, the, the little that we do know. All of this went to his head, and sin entered in. Now, I know we don't think about this a whole lot. We think about people being sinners, right? But something clearly happened. There must be some sort of free will, whatever that looks like. I don't, I don't know if it's the same type of free will that we have or not. But Satan had a choice to fall or not to fall. And the ones that followed Satan that fell with him had a choice to fall or not to fall, right? right. So there's some sort of free will there. And we don't think about that a whole lot. But sin entered in. He accepted. He received it. And he became prideful. And we all know what happened? He failed. We're going to talk about that and what Jesus says about that tonight. So 
I believe as weird as it sounds, there is some sort of free will out there. So let's go ahead and get started and let's take a look at Isaiah 14. There will not be any scriptures up here because Pastor Brett failed in getting the scriptures to Pastor Trenton. So I will take full blame for that. So here's what we're going to do is you're going to have to open your Bible tonight. We're going old school. As sad as that is. Isaiah chapter 14, we're going to be, uh, we're going to start in 13 through 15, and then we're going to go to Luke 10. So here it is. You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven above the stars of God. I will set my throne on high. I will sit on the mount of assembly in the far reaches of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high, but you are brought down to Sheol to the far reaches of the pit. So this is known as the five I wills, right? Anybody ever heard that, the five I wills? Have you ever noticed whenever you say I will, typically myself, when I say I will, I don't, I forget. I don't do. <laughs> I, I fail in that all of the time. But here we have Satan wanting to write, uh, basically build himself up higher. I will raise myself above. Man, is that not prideful? To think that you could raise yourself up above God? And that's what he's doing here. So we, we're going to, oh, and I can't get ahead of myself. I'm sorry. So let's just go on to Luke 10. Luke 10 verse 18 says, and he said to them, and this is Jesus, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Now, I take things pretty literal, right? I think about Jesus being in eternity past, Right? And I think he literally saw Satan fall, and it was like lightning. Now, what that looked like when he hit, when he fell from heaven, wherever he hit, what that looked like? Can you imagine the, the catastrophic event that that could have took? Like, if he fell to earth, what that would have looked like, what that would have felt like? Did the earth shake? Did it tremble? Did it cause earthquake? Did volcanoes erupt? What happened when sin itself literally crash-landed into earth? That's something to think about, isn't it? You see, Satan believed that he was more than he was. He had a great status. He was one of the top dudes. He was, he was way up there. You know, I mean, you go back and you, you can look up. There's not a whole lot, but there is a lot of stuff you find out about Satan and how he was, you know, beautiful and different things like that. But he was not what he thought he was. But he was made to be something special in heaven believed he was a leader in worship i heard uh, someone talking today i listened to preaching all day today just one of those days i just went from from prophet to preacher to prophet to preacher all day long i was listening to stuff and i heard one of them talk about what if and it's okay to do what ifs right because we're not saying it's doctrine or anything like that but what if michael and satan the archangel michael and satan were best buds what did that look like was Michael like, dude, what are you doing? Was Satan trying to get Michael to go with him? Because Michael, the archangel, he's one of the top dudes, right? So what did that look like in heaven? What was going on? I guess that's what he was getting at is what was taking place in heaven as Satan was leading this rebellion? How did that look? He thought more of himself than he really was. See, he believed that he was higher than God. 
or he wanted to do everything that he could because he believed that he had that he still believes that he has the power to rise himself above the father that's crazy isn't it the five i wills of satan He's seen the worship of God and he was jealous for it. He had enough pride to say, I deserve that. Uh, Look at me. Look how beautiful I am. Look at all of the things I can do. I deserve to be like the most high. Why can't I plop a throne right down there next to you, Father? Why can't I do that? But see, he was created. Just like us. We're created. We're different than the angels, but we were created as well. See, Satan said, I will make myself like the most high. So this tells us a couple of things. Satan knew who the most high was. He knows. Now we look at Satan. We're like, man, that guy, he's got to be stupid. Right? Because we've read the book. Well, I hope we've read the book. Amen. amen. We've read, if you read Revelation, we know who wins. Right. We win. Jesus wins. God wins. So it's all right there, and it's sad because Satan, see, Satan knows Scripture, and he twists Scripture to make it benefit him, to make you fall into temptation, to fall into sin, and to fall into pride. So he knows the Scripture better than you know the Scripture, probably, Christians. But he knows how to twist and manipulate to get you to fall into things. You see, Satan knew who the Most High was and that there was none higher than God. Have you ever thought of that? Satan knew. People don't even know. People don't even acknowledge God being the most high God. But Satan knew who the most high God was, and he says, I will exalt myself over that. That's how high he wanted to be, higher than the most high God. But pride and jealousy, jealousy will probably be next week, overtook him, and he fell. And when he fell, he fell like lightning. Can you imagine the thunderclap that came with that lightning? Which comes first, lightning or I don't know. I don't remember. Thunder, then lightning. Can you imagine the thunderclap that that made? I mean, that's catastrophic what probably took place. That's a whole other teaching. I heard a teaching on, like, prehistory and stuff. But that's another, that's another day. But anyway, it, it was interesting. But what is pride? So we're going to talk about pride tonight. So now we know where pride come from. We know the original sinner, right? We know the one that brought pride in. So now we're going to talk about what pride is, and we're going to look at ourselves. Uh Uh-oh. That's the hard part, amen? Nobody likes to examine themselves. You know, it's like whenever you take communion, and the preacher always says, spend some time examining yourself before you take partake of this communion. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to do that. (laughs) He's like, Lord, what are you going to show me? But that's why we do it, is to get that junk out of our life before we partake in that, because we don't want to take of it wrong. But so... We need to make sure that we're not walking in pride. We need to make sure that we're not walking in things that we don't need to be in. So that's why we exalt ourselves, or exalt, wow, examine ourselves. Don't exalt yourself. (laughs) Don't exalt yourself. (laughs) Woo. Sometimes you get tongue-tied and you don't catch it, and then you go back and you listen to your sermon, and you're like, oh, no, I got to correct that one. I'm glad I caught that one early, Amen. Psalm 16, verse 18, it says, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. We've all read that, amen? We've all read that. So pride never leaves you anywhere. It never leads you anywhere good. You ever notice that? You never wind up anywhere good. You might wind up walking in high status for a while thinking you're something that you're not. You might be there, but it's never going to end 
anywhere good. It's never going to end that way. When you start to believe that you're greater than you really are, you're not really in danger of pride. You're already in pride. You have to be careful because look at what the original sinner, Satan, when pride entered into him, look what happened. Look what that's done to the whole world. Now think about how allowing sinful things into your life, what that's going to do to your world. And I'm talking about those around you. Am I cutting out? It sounded like I was cutting out. Think about what that can do to your children, your grandchildren. By allowing sin into our lives, how is that going to affect your kids? You see, the scripture that says Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I think it's written like that for a reason. Because first he comes to steal, which is he tries to take your joy and things like that away from you and get you to a place where he can kill you. But you're thinking, well, kill and destroy. Shouldn't it be destroy your life and then kill you? Think about this for a second. If he comes to steal your joy, right, and then he can kill you either spiritually, make you walk away from the faith, or kill you in body, what's that going to do to those that are around you? It's going to destroy their lives. Because now they don't have what they need. They don't have a mother. They don't have a grandmother or a father or whatever it is. Now their lives are destroyed. So he stole from you. He took everything from you. Then he killed you. And now he's destroying everything that you left behind. That's what he comes to do. Satan uses this weapon of pride a lot for men. Talk about men for a minute. I might leave the women out of this one. I don't want to get ran out tonight. So. <laughs> I was kidding. I was kidding. But we are going to talk about men for a minute. <clears throat> men like to be in control, right? Men like to have the answers. We don't like to be wrong. You know what Pastor Brett does not have is a sense of direction. If the GPS is wrong, I'm lost. Now, my wife, she's like, that's your road. That's your road. And I'm like, no, it's not. That's your road. No, it's not. That's your road. Hey, that was our road. <laughs> that, that's me. I have no sense of direction. Pastor Trenton knows it, too, because we used to take trips whenever we were young and ministering out there. I have no sense of direction. So I have to let that pride go and just admit that I have no sense of direction. But men like to be in control. We like to have the answers, and we like to be the one that protects. We like to be the one that will stand, stand up and take care of things, I guess is the best way of putting that. And it's very easy to get puffed up in that. I'm the man of the house. What I say goes. We ever heard that? We have a tendency as men to say, well, I'm the protector, I'm the provider, I'm, I, this is what God's called me to be. I need to be all of these things. And that can lead to pride because you are the protector, you are a provider, you are all of those things, but your wife is also your partner in that. And when you hold yourself up in a way that belittles her thoughts, her ideas, or what she has to what her input is into those situations. See, when you can allow those things in as a man, then you're not walking in pride because you're not lording something up over her. You're allowing her to be an equal partner in the in the marriage. Okay, everybody follow where I'm going. So we get this idea that that's my family and I can take care of it all, but that's not the truth. We need that wife. We need that. We need that partnership.
So we have to be careful, men, as to not, in our marriages at least, to not get into pride over our families and to not allow those things to come in because it can, what? Steal, kill, and destroy. So we have to make sure that we're not allowing a foothold to come in and to come in to destroy your family. So it can be very dangerous to our family in our walk in Christ. Amen? So, but how does it affect a church, and how can Satan destroy a church with pride? Because that's really what I want to focus on, I think, because I really see some things really starting to shape up here at our church. Things are really starting to shape up. People stepping into leadership, uh, prophetic words being fulfilled, confirmations coming forth, and things happening. And we have to make sure that we have our pieces in order and that we're not allowing any type of sin to come into this place. Amen? And that's that's a job, right? Pastor Trenton, I guarantee you, he can't pinpoint every single thing. He needs help. That's why we have teams, right? That's why we put a leadership team together. Amen? So how does it affect a church? Pride can affect a pastor if he's not careful. And that's when the real big problem comes in because now you have a pastor that's in sin. That's not good. That's not boding well for the church, right? So you start watching the church grow, and this is what we have to be careful of. You start watching the church grow, and you start seeing things take place in the church, and you're like, wow, look at that. They're coming to church. They're getting saved. We got 15 baptisms we're doing next week, and look at all this stuff. Ties are growing. The church is getting bigger. We're able to save money. Look at what all I'm doing. And there it is. Who's ever heard that before, though? You know, what made me think about this is we were watching Jesus Revolution and uh, the character uh, Lonnie Frisbee, I think was his name. Actually, he started, he was on a, was he being interviewed or something? And he's like, but I'm doing these things. And it was like, some, it was like, I was like, uh oh, I knew at that point the, the, the story was getting ready to shift because pride had begun to enter in. Now he was doing great things. But the attitude began to change. And that's where church, Next Level Freedom Church, this is where we got to be careful. You start to see a church grow and start believing that you're the ones doing it. No. Because if we will walk in the calling that God has given us, lead pastor, associate pastor, prophet, evangelist, uh, the, the, the youth leaders, uh, worship teams, uh, associates to the pastor assistants to the pastor whatever the title is we've all got to be on the same page and here, here here's the thing that is the hardest part and this is something that i know needs to be said in every church we got to keep and i'm not talking leaders just leadership but i'm, I'm focusing on leadership at this point we got to keep each other accountable and that means that you have to let enough of your pride go now, wait a minute. This has to be done in love. If Lisa sees me doing something that I need to be checked on, Lisa needs to come to me, and she needs it in love, say, I think you need to pray about this because this doesn't seem right. You're, you know, you're doing this, yada, 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 yada. Now, at this point, I can either get swelled up with pride and say she's wrong, or I can say, okay, I don't see it. But thank you. I'm going to take this to the Lord. And if I'm wrong, I, I, I will vocally, I will confess my, my wrong and I will repent for it. That's what we need to do as leadership. 
if if she, if somebody calls you out and you know immediately the Holy Spirit tells you you're wrong, I could tell you some stories when I was at the other church. I did something wrong. I was an associate pastor over there. I was and I said something to the pastor in front of other people that was very insubordinate. And I don't even remember what it was at the time, but it did not resonate in my head. He just looked at me and said, stop, we'll talk about this later. And I just, okay. And we did. And I still didn't see the error of my ways, but I went home and I went down to my basement to my quiet spot and five minutes into prayer, it clicked. I went, oh, man. <laughs> yep, yeah, I'm sorry. You were right. I repent, Lord. I repented to the Lord. I, I uh, apologized to him. But see, that's where you can either take the choice of pride or you can allow the Holy Spirit to guide you and direct you into growth. Amen. You see, it's, it may not be that you intended to deliberately do something wrong. You just didn't know any better. You just messed up. And as a church, we have got to keep each other accountable. And you know what? We got to keep our pastor accountable. We have to because that's why he needs a leadership team. He needs somebody to lift him up in prayer. I need somebody to lift me up in prayer as I try to help lift him up. That's just the way it is. We've got to keep each other accountable and to not get puffed up whenever somebody says you're sinning, but it needs to be done in love. Don't come up to him and start throwing stones at him, call him a dirty, rotten sinner, and you need to be what you need to be rebaptized and all this stuff and get that out of you. Whatever it is. That's that that's that can't be how we do it. It can't. So how do we fight pride? Am I good on time? All right. So how do we fight pride? What did we talk about the last couple of weeks? You got to get that full armor of God on. Amen. You have got to get the full armor of God. And I got to get a drink. I took a, I took a trip. That's why I wasn't here Sunday. Me and my wife were on an anniversary trip. And lo and behold, every single time I walk in a hotel room, sinuses start draining. And it's just been fighting it, but. So first, we got to put on the full armor of God. Next, dedicate your life in each day serving God. What I mean by that is when you wake up, what's the first thing that you do? Me, I go, <laughs> scratch, 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 <laughs> rub, rub, rub. Okay, shower, contacts, shower. But as I wake up, I start thanking God for the day. It takes me a minute to get going, okay? But see, whenever we put God first, you put on your armor, you put God first, you're protecting yourself against allowing sin to come in. Amen? So we dedicate our life. We dedicate each day to serving God. We give everything that we are to God. If you give him credit for everything that happens and praise him for everything that happens, then you don't have to worry about taking the credit or the glory for something that happens. That's something that I have always tried to practice when something good happens. Thank you, Jesus. When I do something good, thank you, Jesus. You gave me the ability to do that. Thank you, Lord. That was God speaking. People would always come up to me and say, oh, that was such a great message. You did such a good message. I just go, no, 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 but I don't want that. I said, he did good. I always say, I just opened my mouth and he spoke. 
I stood there and opened my mouth. That's all I did. When you have an attitude of everything, everything belongs to God. You don't have to worry about pride. You don't have to. I don't want the credit for what God does. He did it. I mean, if, if, come on, guys. If he set the world in motion, if he set this whole thing in motion, do you really think my words, when I stand up, I mean, come on. It's all him. Everything is him. When you do something to glorify God, it's because he's in you, working through you. It's because he's living in you. Amen. Give him the glory. Proverbs 11, verse 2, when pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with the humble is wisdom. I love that verse. Nothing good comes from pride. It leads to disgrace. That's what it said, right? Nothing good is going to come from pride. We talked about that earlier. It's going to leave you humbled the hard way. Come on. Y'all know what it's like to be humbled the hard way, right? So I say it like this. It's better off to humble yourself before the Lord instead of having the Lord humble you. Amen. Yeah, before him. Amen. I'd rather just say, Lord, it's all yours. And if I messed up, I'd rather just say, Lord, I messed up and repent and move on. Because that's really how simple it is if you're walking in Christ and he lives inside of you. Repent and move on. There's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. We just have to repent and move, and move on. Let the Holy Spirit work. Give God the glory. Nothing good comes from it. All leads to disgrace. James chapter 4, verse 6 and 7 says, But he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Who wants some more grace? I, I need it. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. There's no reason you got to walk in pride. If you've got the full armor of God on, you can resist the devil and he will what? Flee. He will flee. You don't have to walk in pride. So how do you defeat pride? How do you fight against it? You put on the full armor of God and resist the devil. I'm pretty sure that the, the, for every one of these weapons we go through, the answer is going to be the full armor of God. We have to submit. Oh, I got to back up. Verse 7 says, submit yourself, therefore, to God. I want to read it again. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Submission can be the hardest thing to do. <clears throat> People that find it hard to submit are usually dealing with pride. Well, that's not the way I would do it. I want to do it this way. Well, then you go start your own church, I guess, because that's not how we do things here. There's a reason and a plan and a vision. Amen? When you get on board with the vision of the church and you want to step into leadership, you have to fall under that. How do I want to say you have to fall under that authority, that submission? You have to submit. You have to. Now, if the pastor or the pastors or the leadership or whatever it is is clearly wrong and clearly in sin, then, yeah, you have a right to voice your opinion. That's not what I'm saying. But we have to fall under some sort of authority in the church house. We have to. It's biblical. We all have to submit to someone, right? Either a work boss, a husband, wives, children. Children submits to your parents, right? They're supposed to. Leadership in church. 
there it is. We have to. You going to tell me that Peter didn't submit to Jesus? Didn't listen to him? Didn't do didn't say yes, master? I know he did. I had to learn the hard way many times about submission to leadership when I was a young minister. I had to. But you know what? That's how you learn. But the key is this. The key is being able and humble enough to, to say, Lord, teach me. Lord, use me. And that's the problem I said that I think that is going on in church right now. In a lot of churches right now, nobody wants to submit to leadership. Nobody wants to submit to the truth. Nobody wants to submit to God. They look at it like, I'm just going to go ahead and give the word, Pastor Trenton. I was talking about earlier. I was praying today off and on. I listened to preaching all day. I told you all that. So it kept my mind focused today in a good way. So that's great. But I think that the church right now, has a spirit of double-mindedness. And I was praying to them like, Lord, is that you or is that me? I don't want to give a word from me. I want to make sure that it's you. But as I go through this, I just felt it. I felt it. I said, give it. The church right now has a spirit of double-mindedness because what we have is we have leadership, we have people within the church that want to submit and give everything to God. They want to do that. That's one half of the mind. They're, they really want that. But the other half says, I want this my way. I want to do it this way. I'm going to do what I want to do, and they're going to have to deal with it. Or I'm just not going to, sh- I'm just not going to come. I'm not going to do this, or I'm not going to do that. They're going to have to do this. You see, that's double-mindedness. Because the problem is is that you are so stuck in your ways that your ways are winning out over God every time. You cannot have one foot in the world and one foot in heaven. You cannot have one foot in the world and one foot in the church because you can't be in leadership and have that. You cannot do that. You cannot be double-minded because a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. That is the facts. That is the truth. So I encourage you. I encourage you right now, if that is you, go all in for God. Go all in for him. Leave all the mess behind. Leave all your wants and your cares, and it better be this way, and I've got to have it my way. Leave all that junk outside because it's just going to hurt you. It's just going to lead you down a path you don't want to go, and go all in for him. Well, I don't, I don't think the pastor's right. Does it matter what you think? Is, is the pastor teaching false doctrine? Well, no. Well, is, is he having an affair? Well, no. Is he beating kids in the back room? Well, no. Well, what's he doing? Well, he just he said something that struck me the wrong way. Well, I suggest you do one of two things. Find a new church or go talk to the pastor and get it worked out. Because you can't have it both ways. You can't. It comes down to if you're called, I don't know why I'm on this so much. If you are called to a place, then you are under that leadership. Being under leadership means exactly what it sounds like. You are not 
the pastor. You are not the, it's going to sound wrong, okay? But you're not the top guy, all right? <laughs> Y'all know what I mean. You are under. Guess what? Pastor Brett is under Pastor Trenton's leadership. That is my pastor. And I have no problem admitting that. Me and Trenton had lots of talks before I ever came over to Next Level Freedom Church. We had a lot of things we had to work out in our past. And we did. And I had no problem stepping into the position that he needed me in. Because I put pride aside. And that's what God's calling you to do tonight. Put pride aside. You learn to trust your leadership. And you learn to trust that they are doing their best to hear God. Me and Pastor Trenton and any other leaders in this church are not perfect, but we are doing our best to hear God. Amen? Amen. Not to say you can't ask questions. Oh, well, he's saying I can't do any. I can't even ask. No, if you got a problem and you have a misunderstanding, go to leadership and talk. That's how you get problems worked out. Go in love because the pastor will come in love. Talk it out. So, I'm almost done. Back to the question. How do we fight pride? On a personal level, you have a relationship with God. Amen? Amen. How do I do that? You ask Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior. We'll go through that in a few minutes as with the online audience in here as well. Uh, you bring everything to him in prayer. Amen? That's what we need to do anyway. Bring everything to him in prayer. And he is going to help you sort things out. I went to the Lord in prayer one time, and you know what he told me? He said, Brett, we'll get through this mess together. Don't that sound like Jesus? He's not saying, he's not saying, I'm just going to fix it for you. No, he's saying, I'm about to show you, I'm about to teach you, and we're going to get through it together. Leadership, we got to keep each other accountable. We talked about that in a loving way. Point out things that we do or say that may be prideful or lead to pride or other sin. Number three, watch your actions, watch your words, and don't give the devil a foothold. It's just a little crack in the door. A little crack can let in a whole lot of devils. Be careful with what you do. Number four, walk in truth, not your version of it. Walk in truth. Walk in the way, the truth, in the life, and you will never go wrong. Remember, Satan is the father of sin, and he's much better at it than we are. What do you mean by that? Satan is a master sinner. And that means that he knows exactly what he needs to do in every type of sin. Because I heard somebody, uh, a, a Christian rapper one time on a CD say, what is your signature sin? Well, your signature sin is the thing that Satan knows that he can get at you the most with. And he knows exactly how to attack you with it. You see, Satan knows sin better than you know sin. Because he's been doing it a lot longer. Examine your hearts tonight. This is where I end. Examine your hearts tonight. Is there pride in there? Is there? Is there pride? Have you been harboring something in your heart that you need to get out, that you need to talk? You can talk to that person. You can come lay it down here at the altar tonight. I want you to examine, not exalt, remember? <laughs> okay. <laughs> examine your hearts tonight. Guys, sin comes to steal, kill, and destroy. It's serious. It's not made up. It's not just some funny little saying. It's serious. He hates you. 
He wants you to die. He wants you destroyed. He doesn't want this church to prosper. I have saw. I can look around and say, Lord, where's the hundreds of people that you've prophesied over this place? The thousands, where are they at right now? And you know what he tells me every single time? I'm building something. You go back over the last three, four months maybe, and you look at what he's done and the people he's put in place and the way he's raising up and the way he's teaching and showing. He's still teaching me and showing me stuff. We're learning. We are not ready for thousands and thousands, but we're getting ready. We're preparing. He's doing something. Now's not the time to get prideful and say, well, I wish I was like Pastor Brett, or I wish I had, I wish I had Devin's gift. I wish I could, I wish I was the prophet and could see things. No, I heard someone, someone today say, stay in your lane. Stop trying to be a prophet if you're not called to be a prophet, Pastor. That's not saying you can't operate in, in different gifts. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is, is, if you know this is your lane and that's not, then stop trying to get in it. Stay where you're at and let God use you. Examine. So, here's what I want to do. I want to close with the online audience. And I want to give everybody an opportunity. Actually, I want to do two things. For those of you that don't know what salvation is, Christ came. He came willingly. And he gave his life on a cross. He was beaten and bruised. He was beat up. He was bloodied. The Bible says he was unrecognizable, and he did that for you. And you know what's crazy is that's historical. That's not just Bible. That's historical. Y'all can go out there and find that stuff in other places. It's not just some Bible story. Go find it. It's out there. There's all kinds of crazy things that happen, like whenever it got dark and the earthquake happened, that's recorded in other parts of the world wondering what was going on at the same exact time. The whole earth went dark, guys. It wasn't just what it, it happened. It's real. He came. He died for you. If you want to accept him as Savior, it's as simple as this. It's because you know why it's simple? It's because it's a free gift. It's not supposed to be hard. And someone gives you a Christmas present, is it hard to take it? No, you're like, give me that joint right there. Let me see what's in there. It's the same thing. You reach out and you grab a hold of that gift and you, hold, and you open it up and you see what it is. And you open it up, and it's eternal life with your Savior. You've got to have it. It's the best thing in the world. And here it is. You simply repeat after me. You say, Father, I know I am a sinner, and I know that I need you. I acknowledge, Lord, that you came for me and that you died for me. I acknowledge that you rose three days later, and I ask you to come, live in my heart, be Lord of my life. Make me a new creation in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. It's that simple? It's that simple. If you meant it from your heart, congratulations, you're a new creation. God says all things are new to you now. Your old ways have passed away. Your sins are gone. They're erased. Now you can walk in the newness of life if you want it. The next thing, if you've been saved and now you've ran, you've ran away, or you've stepped outside of church, or you've stepped outside of God, and you're like, uh, I, I, I don't know. I don't know anymore, God. Here's what you do. You rededicate your life back to God. And it's as simple as saying, Lord, I know I messed up. I ran from you. And now I'm seeking you again. 
I see your open arms. Lord, reach out and bring me back into your kingdom. Bring me back into your fold, Father. I repent for what I've done and ask for your help and your guidance in my walk from this point forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Say that prayer. Walk back into Jesus' arms because they're right there waiting on you guys. Amen. All right. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We will see you guys next week. God bless.